Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. to study and you uh, read the Word of God, you begin to see that God equips you more than one way. In Isaiah, the Bible says of Jesus, and uh, one of the prophetic names, there are seven names that are given for uh, about the Holy Spirit, which Jesus, of course, is the working of those. One of them is the Spirit of Wisdom. The Spirit of Wisdom, Knowledge, Revelation, those things are there, Spirit of Peace. Uh, but one of them is the Spirit of Wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to hear and to know what God wants done beyond your own natural knowledge. When God gives a word uh, of wisdom, for instance, in the gifts of the Spirit, there is a word of wisdom. Uh, there, there are uh, many things that you begin to see involved with God's plan because have you ever faced anything, been involved with something, and you didn't know what to do next? Maybe you didn't uh, know how to get out of something or you didn't know how to get into something. Or maybe something's happening and you're just totally stumped at why this is going on. You know, God can give you an understanding beyond your own intellect. He can give you a knowing beyond knowledge. Knowledge is based upon facts. Wisdom is based upon understanding. It's on uh, revelation and understanding what God has. There's a man in the Bible that, and I'll just jump into this because it is a... It is a long, long time, and if I try to exhaust this subject, we will be here into 2025, all right? There's a man named Job in the Bible. Everybody say Job. I was talking to one guy, and he said, I knew nothing about God when I got saved. Nothing. I thought that was the book of Job. He said, I thought it meant that everybody had to go get a job. I said, well, it does mean that. Let me just tell you that right now. Go get a job. (laughs) Uh, And... He thought the epistles were the wife of the apostles. True story. So, uh, (laughs) and so anyway, when you begin to read about Job, there are a lot of awkward doctrines that are taught about Job. Uh, And when people want to blame God foolishly for the things of the devil, they will try to use Job's experience. Remember what I'm about to tell you right now. Job did not have a Bible. That's before the Bible was written. It's the oldest known manuscript. Probably Moses penned it, but we're not really for sure, but we think he did. That particular uh, manuscript of Job was before there was what we have. It was the number one. What we know is he was the wealthiest man, the Bible says, uh, from there all the way into the east. And when you talk about the east from where he's located, uh, you're talking about India, you're talking about Pakistan, you're talking about Persia. He was the wealthiest man in all of that region, and I promise you, there was a lot of wealth in that region. And he was the wealthiest guy. And it's something that uh, that God uh, chose the wealthiest man, uh, arguably, in the world. In the, in the known world at that time. And here he begins to write about him that he also loved God. Job uh, chapter 1 says he loved God. He had seven sons and three daughters. He had ten children, and every day, the Bible says, he would offer uh, sacrifices for them, bullocks and, and rams. He would offer them. Uh, he would offer to God every day. 
Now, I'm a word of faith guy. I am a faith man all the way. Shout hallelujah. And what you say with your mouth needs to be in line with the Word of God. You need to believe what God says in, in your heart, and then you need to activate that power of life and death, which is in your tongue, and you need to activate those things. Can I have an amen? Amen. But uh, years ago, back in the, in the 80s and the 90s, when Brother Hagen uh, Sr. was here, and, and Brother Caps, and, and, and of course, uh, others that were very powerful, they kind of zoned in on one verse that says that um, Job feared that his sons and daughters had sinned. And then he goes later on and he says, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. And so the reason that the attack came was because he was full of fear. So he was offering sacrifices in fear instead of offering them in faith. And, and, and so that was kind of the thought. And I'm not going to say there's not some uh, viability in there somewhere uh, because I'm out of that camp uh, in the past. If you want to, I've never been just labeled in one camp only uh, because I, I just uh, never have and never will be. Uh, I, I like to just say that we're a word church. And we're a spirit church, Amen. Holy Spirit. And so um, uh, you begin to see there in the book of Job chapter 1 that something happens. Look, if you would, please, at about, uh, let me see if I can get this to jump out of the scripture right here to us by the word of God. Look at Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. If I begin this and just stop in the middle of it, are you all okay tonight? I don't want to keep you here real long because I'm... Believe in God with you that you're going to be here with me, but we want to talk about wisdom. And most people, they talk about Job and they want to talk about patience. Patience was what Job used to finally find the wisdom of God, which broke him through to a miraculous breakthrough and created the double anointing or the double blessing in his life. Uh, in Job chapter 1, he, he was in the land of Uz. Uh, let me go on, verse uh, 3, uh, verse 2. He had seven sons and three daughters. Let me just say, in case I don't get to this tonight, uh, that in, in Job 42, when God broke that captivity and he broke through to the blessing, uh, when that happened, the Bible says he gave him twice as much as he had ever had. And it says, and God gave him seven uh, more sons and three more daughters. But when you read about everything else, because God numbers them, how many sheep he had, how, how all of those kind of things. And when he, when he gets the double in, in the last chapter in 42, uh, when he breaks uh, through, he has twice as many sheep and it tells the number. Twice as many camels, twice as many. But it says he had seven sons and three daughters. And God gave him seven sons and three daughters. But he had twice as much of everything. Uh, it's an interesting thought. And so... For many, many years, me and just about everybody else have tried to come up with an answer of why did God double everything else but only giving back seven sons and three daughters like he had lost. You want my answer? Because he lost seven sons and three daughters who died and they were in heaven. Then he got seven sons and three daughters on earth. He still had double. I'm preaching better than your amen right now. That's, that's people, that's souls we're talking about there. We're not talking about dollars and dimes and, and camels and things. We're talking about humans, souls. And he had 10 in heaven 
And he had 10 on earth. He did have uh, at that particular time. And God gave him 140 more years from the time he broke through to enjoy them. And he saw four generations after he broke through, four more generations uh, grew and that he saw in that 140-year period of time. And then the Bible says, and he went to heaven full of days. Oh, glory to God. So if I don't get to that last verse tonight, I just did it first for you to help you understand that God didn't miscount when he gave him seven sons and three daughters. He doubled what he had initially, and he still had the 10 that were in heaven. I don't know about you, but I have blood in heaven right now. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I just want you to know, when my first little granddaughter was born, I'm like, woohoo! Something in the spirit. Something in the spirit, it's like God doubled it back. Now, I, belong, I know she belongs to Catherine and, and Josh and all that, but don't tell them anything, uh, what I'm going to say. She doesn't, she belongs to me and Cindy. And then along came a little river. Woo-hoo! Y'all, y'all don't tell Jennifer and Gardy any of this. They think that she belongs to them, but how many of y'all have grandchildren? Wave your hand. Am I telling the truth? Enough said. They'll understand that one day when they're old and they have a bunch of kids and grandkids too. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve. So the scripture says right here in Job chapter one, I promise you they do because we love on them, do all the stuff you're supposed to do like grandparents, send them home, wire them up with all kind of candy and all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's in the... It's in the Bible. I'm looking for it. I know it's there. You're supposed to do that to your grandkids. I'm going to find it in in the Hebrew and the Greek. and I'll find it in the Swahili if I have to. I'll find it. The scripture says, his substance was 7,000 sheep. He had 14 when it was over. 3,000, he got 6,000. 500 yokoba, he he had 1,000 yokoba. You can go read that later yourself. And he had a very rich household. The word great is the word for powerful and rich. So that this man was the richest of all the men of the East. Once again, I defined a little of that to you. His sons feasted in their houses every one his day and sent um, and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone that Job sent and sanctified them. A believer should sanctify his house. And he rose up early in the morning And he offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. There were 10 of them. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. So no man knows another man's heart. He doesn't know that. The Bible doesn't say anything that these guys did that were wrong. He was just a father sowing because of his family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Lord said, uh, then verse 6, now watch this. Now this is really important. This is probably as far as I'm going to get tonight. Verse 6, because people take this one scripture, theologians do, that do not believe in the working of the Holy Spirit per se, as we understand Him in the now, in the day we live in. And they take scriptures out of text and use them to charge God foolishly. The Bible says there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came among them uh, also. This is very important. 
You notice right there where it says there was a day. Yes or no? You notice it doesn't say, and every day when Satan came to accuse, it doesn't say that. It says there was a day. Uh, Understanding this is the first manuscript of the Bible chronologically. I know it's not in front of Genesis in in its numerical place in the book, but chronologically, it is the oldest one. And all the way up to Moses and up through back to Moses, the Jewish rabbis and the custom that they believed was that one day a year, one day a year, today it's called the Day of Atonement. They believed that Satan would come and try to accuse Israel and accuse the believers and those who uh, loved God and who were uh, looking for God, those who were offering sacrifice unto the Lord, believing that a Redeemer would come one day and be the sacrifice. Until that time, they were doing what they were supposed to do to relate and keep the witness there and to have a covering from year to year. The high priest would offer bullocks and he would offer rams. Uh, rams on that particular day. Not not ram, but rams. <laughs> or, or Luis. See, now you're Luis. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Brother Gustavo said, Who, Luis, who's Luis? He said, well, that's me. And somebody looked over at their friend and said, I think he missed it on that one. But I knew he was Luis. So God Luised you and let you go, you know. And Brother Ram said something like, he said, well, everybody calls me Ram. He said, well, God calls you. He knows you as Luis. (laughs) I thought that was pretty exciting right there. (laughs) Did you receive that blessing? That was powerful, wasn't it? And so um, uh, the scripture says that on a day, on that particular day, and that's speaking there of that time in the year when uh, the enemy would come and try to accuse falsely. Now, the devil is a liar, but can I just say to you right now that uh, Jesus doesn't allow your adversary, the devil, to go to heaven and accuse you every day before God. That's just simply not in the Scripture like that. And that particular verse gets extrapolated. Now, I understand that uh, Satan is the accuser of the brethren, But I do not even believe that Lucifer has access to the throne of God today since Jesus went and took the the keys of death, burial, and and took back that authority from him. There's nothing that implies Satan has that authority in the day we live in today. It's just simply not there. That's why one of the reasons Jesus came. This is his domain he tries to operate in, the one we live in right now. And so if anybody ever tries to preach you into, into fear like that, just say, well, that's a real nice message he's preaching, but I know the truth because I go to Abundant Life and I heard Pastor Howell say it. And he read it right from the Bible. So it's important to get a hold of that and get that uh, deep in your spirit. Uh, and so, but that particular time was still there. And he would go and he would try to accuse periodically. Uh, he would be allowed to come and try to make that accusation apparently because redemption's plan had not been Uh, had been fulfilled. It had been executed. It was already in the process. That's why they were uh, shedding blood because the blood is very necessary on the altar of God. Hallelujah. Let me make sure I bring you into today so people don't get weird about 
understanding that when Jesus died, the Bible says he offered his blood. Hebrews says he offered his blood on, there's a tabernacle in heaven that is called the true, the real tabernacle, Hebrews says, the, the real one that's there. The one on earth is an image of that one there with the holiest of holies, with the altar, uh, uh, all of those things, uh, all of the uh, vessels that are there. The Bible says Jesus purged them with his own blood in heaven. That's a, that's a statement that'll take you a whole lot of places because the reason that, that uh, the blood was shed was to remove the effect of sin. You say, well, then why did God uh, have Jesus uh, offer his blood there? Well, first of all, he fulfilled everything. But if I can just say this to you, uh, is it possible that because uh, sin had been in heaven? I'll just ask you to think for like six seconds right there. Because Lucifer was in it. He brought it. He activated it. And he was in the presence of God when it happened. And God could have done it a lot of ways. I'm assuming. But his way is the way of wisdom. His way is the right way. And he sent his own son to set us free. But his son, Hebrews says, took his blood and purged all of the things in heaven. That's in your Bible. I'm not making that up. I'm, I'm not trying to get over to something that gets so far out there with you that we have to spend the next seven weeks looking at that one thought. But I'm telling you, it's in the Scripture right there. And almost every pastor or minister that's ever read the Bible knows it's there. But you can be sure they're not ready to preach it and teach it. Either they don't know it, they're afraid of it, or they just choose not to believe it. Uh, which is pretty much the, it's either lack of knowledge, ignorance, or defiance, one of the two, to the truth. But be that as it may, hallelujah. Somebody shout, I'm redeemed. Because the blood has been shed. Come on, say it. The blood has been shed. Verse 6 says, now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And the Lord said uh, unto Satan, uh, where are you coming from like this time? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro to the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the, that, that's really interesting because if you read in Isaiah and in Ezekiel, you'd see that Satan in heaven would walk through the garden or through uh, the, the fire that was in the garden. They were called the stones of fire, which were all but two of them were in the human and the thum and the breastplate of the high priest. And the Bible says that Lucifer would walk through that. You see some of those things mentioned in the book of Genesis where God told Adam, here's where the gold is of Havilah. Here's where the precious stones are in the river. Here's all of those things. And those were things that were in the breastplate. And the breastplate had to be ordered correctly. It had to be uh, in order correctly for the high priest to hear from God. So I don't know, is it possible that in heaven there was a garden with a beautiful, uh, with the stones of fire, speaking of the, the, the uh, precious stones that were there. And the Bible says before Lucifer was cast down, he actually had access to that, to walk through it. And then God says, I'm going to start this thing all over with because you, you came and you, you uh, tried to pollute heaven up there. So, and I cast you down to here. And at the appointed time, he just built his own garden. Here, I understand it to be 1,400 miles square, according to Revelation. And the Apostle Paul says the city of heaven is that size. 
And it will come down one day, in, in, in 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, it will come down and it will rest over Jerusalem. It's called the heavenly Jerusalem, your Bible says, which is the mother of us all. That in heaven one day, you're going to live on earth. God's going to renovate the earth, the Bible says, one day with fire. And heaven, the city of heaven, which is like the capital, it's Washington, D.C., only it's full of tongue talkers. It will, it's full of Christians. It's full of, that's where God lives. It's the capital where the throne of God is. Will come, the Bible says, go get my book, A City Called Heaven. And it will come and it will rest over Jerusalem. And the Bible says that for all eternity, that uh, people, uh, of course, are on the earth, will populate the earth right here and will be populated by believers. And that we will go, every nation, kindred, tongue, and tribe will periodically, yearly, the scripture says, go into the city of heaven and bless the Lord and we will have camp meeting. We'll have unshakable. Who knows what I'm talking about? Uh, and that's forever. So you're not going to be out on the other side of Mercury one day and, uh, and, and outside of Pluto and, and Uranus uh, in a cloud floating around hunting for a star, Joseph Smith. No, you can be on planet earth. Amen. Only it's new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Amen. The sting of death is removed. Woo, I get pretty excited when I think about it. Uh, Job is on the other side of that. And so the scripture says right here that Job, uh, when, when the enemy came to uh, mock him, I like to say that God pulled back the curtain here and let us see something. I got just a couple of minutes left. And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and rejects, turns from evil, despises it. And Satan says, yeah, but does Job fear you for nothing? Is he only fearing you, serving you, loving you, because you have a hedge about him? How many of you are glad God has a hedge about you? I'm like, oh, hallelujah, God has a hedge about my life. Ooh. She come on. And anytime it seems like those things about your life uh, begin to have gaps in that hedge, the Bible says intercession is when you stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Have you read it in the Bible? Amen. It's when you're praying and you, you pray in intercession. Uh, when you pray with thanksgiving, you're thanking God. When you pray in petition, you're asking God. When you pray in intercession, you are standing in the gap. And your prayer and your faith strengthen or, or uh, connect together any weak point in, someone or, uh, in someone's life. Intercession is when you're praying on behalf of another. They may be physically weak. You ever know anybody in the hospital so sick they can't even pray for themselves? Maybe you've been there before. And someone else was praying for you. That's intercession. If you had the strength or the awareness you would have been praying yourself. You were praying before you lost consciousness. You were praying before you went in that coma. You were praying uh, before you lost all your energy and your will and your drive. And, and, and you just like, I think I'm just going to go into heaven. I'm going to die and go into heaven. And someone else keeps praying in the gap right there. That's why you need a Holy Ghost church and a prayer ministry like we have at Abundant Life every day. I get a dozen or more uh, texts from our prayer team that's here. Sometimes I go visit, they go visit, uh, but every single day prayer and intercession is made. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. 
Because people need breakthrough. They need someone praying for them. There are times when, when you're just weak, but in your weakness, their God shows up with his strength. Come on, shout hallelujah. And so he says, you have a hedge built about him. And he goes on, let me move forward real quickly because God allowed him to attack. He allowed him to attack. That one day, that day of atonement, uh, historically was known, today it's known as Rosh Hashanah. Uh, in, in, you'll, you'll hear it all the time. That's why you see so many things leading up to that time and up to what's called Yom Kippur. Leading up to that, you'll see so many things in the earth that just seem to get out of whack. Weather gets out of whack. Wars take place. All kind of issues begin to happen. Uh, uh, I believe it's because Revelation says that Satan knows that his time is short. So he has stirred up his anger. And he tries to attack like that. Uh, but glory to God, uh, if you stay in there and have the wisdom of God, and you remain like Job, patient which means you have an expectation. How many of you are glad that you have a patience on the inside? We are not patients. No, we're overcomers. But we, have, we walk in patience. Glory to God. Which means an enduring spirit. Cheerful endurance, if you actually see it in the, uh, in the Greek. But, so it says right there, uh, if you were to uh, put forth your hand, uh, let me do verse 11. Uh, let me make sure you get that. And just leave that verse up there for a moment on the, on the screen. But put forth your hand, the devil said, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Now listen, it's important that you get this. I can give you the Hebrew words for it and break it down, and we'll be here, and you'll miss the last seven innings of the World Series if I do this. But we'll pick this subject up too. He says, put forth your hand now. That word, when he says, put forth your hand, he does not mean slap Job or destroy everything. The word right there means to move your hand. In Hebrew, he says, just lift your hand or move your hand. God did not hammer Job. There's nothing in the Bible that says it. He says, put forth your hand, which means uh, he's talking to God about his hand. He says, move your hand, move it somewhere else. Change it. He said, and, and, and remove it from everything that he has. And he will curse you to your face. And God's like, no, Job won't do that. He's got something you don't know anything about. He has an expectation that God is going to meet his need in the worst of every circumstance. So I don't fully understand everything about how and why people go through things. But I can tell you right now, if you'll keep that expectation... When nothing else seems to be working, you can have that expectation. You can have that patience. Uh, even Job's wife, these are interesting words. And, and uh, gosh, I, I didn't get nowhere close to where I want to go tonight with this. But Job's wife says to him one time, uh, why don't you curse God and die? Uh, those are interesting words right there. And that's how, that's how English translators translated it. The word curse right there. Uh, is the word B-A-R-A-K, Barak. And Barak all through the scriptures means to bless, to praise, to say something good. What happened is Job was a guy that guarded his words a lot and he's going through, he's just lost 10 kids and everything else. He's going through and mama has lost all of her family and all of that and it looks like it's getting worse and it says Satan went and did those things. 
It said Satan went and did them. That's important to understand that. Uh, and when, when he did, uh, Job began to say things about himself. How bad it is. It's going bad. It's not any better. It's getting worse. I don't understand it. And she said to her husband, why don't you give God one more praise for what he did in your life up till now? But if it's that bad, go ahead because it's not getting any better, it looks like, and die. She didn't say, uh, look, I hate God. You hate God. All of that. God's really mean. Curse him and die. That's, that's English. That's not what the Hebrew says there, uh, the original Scripture. That is a mistranslation of that word into English. Are you listening to me? Uh, uh, the word baraka just means, that's just what it means. Uh, it means to bless. And so anyway, uh, and I know that Job's wife has got a whole lot of bad press from, from uh, you know, English preachers for many years, English-speaking preachers, but glory to God, God knows the truth. And you and I need to, have you ever lost a, a family member? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever been through a difficult time or anything like that? If you're a believer in Jesus I'm gonna, and, you under, and you have a revelation, I can't explain this to you. But instead of wanting to get mad at God, if you have a revelation, you thank God for the time that you had with that family member. And you know they are alive. I, I'm just telling you, I've, I'm, I'm sorry to say or sad to say that I am uniquely qualified to tell you that. That instead of being mad at God, you thank God that you're going to get to live forever with that family member, not many days from now. Every one of us, we're all, we're all terminal to earth, but we are eternal uh, to the kingdom of heaven. Amen? And it just stirs you up and it makes you, it makes you thankful. And you don't even know you have that quality in you, that divine quality, uh, unless you experience it by the grace of God. None of you will ever have to experience that. But uh, exactly the opposite. You just say, God, thank you for this time. Now, his wife came to him this, shortly after that uh, and because Job's getting way out here with some of the things he's starting to say uh, about how bad his life is. I need somebody to help me up here. And, and, and the Scripture says, she says, bless God one time and die. Thank God and pull the plug. Well, that's not, our, that's not the way we do it. Give me two big amens. Amen. And Job, he begins to alter the way he is. And then he has these friends that show up. And they begin to say some stuff. They're like, it's all your fault, Job. And you know, you must have had a secret sin or something going on in you. And uh, because of that, they almost died. But Job became like a high priest. And he offered bullocks and rams, seven of them for them. Seven, seven bullocks and seven rams. And the blood was shed again. And when he did, thank God for the blood of Jesus. How many of you are glad Jesus did that for us? And the Bible says God received the offering when Job offered it for them and prayed. And when he prayed for them, he released them. He forgave them. He released them. Jesus said, whoever you forgive is forgiven. Whoever you do not. That's another teaching completely. You have some powerful authority in your spirit. 
Glory to God. More than we even understand. And so Job begins to say in chapter 23 and chapter 28, we'll pick it up in the next session. How am I going to get wisdom? Where? And, he, and he begins to pray this beautiful prayer. And he says something like this. Surely in all of the darkness of the inner earth, there is a vein where silver is. Surely there's a place where, where gold flows. And he begins to talk about all of these things. And he's saying, I'm in this dark area of life. I don't know the answer. God must have an answer. Uh, there must be an answer somewhere. I'm just going to stay in here with it. I'm not going to back off. And he begins to say, surely, even in the earth, God has that beautiful silver. There's a vein of silver. You've read it in, 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 if you've read the book of Job. And then he says, and I know, surely, there's gold that's there. If I can just stay there, I can find it. And it's there though. He's not talking about silver and gold. He's setting on uh, uh, the ashes. He's got sores and boils all over him. And he's scraping himself, the Bible says, with broken pottery. And he's saying, I, I know that there's an answer somehow. I know God's going to break through. I know it can happen. How can I find his wisdom? Because nothing else was working, but he knew that through wisdom a life is built. The Bible says a man's wisdom delivers a city. And he stays in there with it. And I'm just going to say it like this and then we're done. If you're willing to stay in there and get your victory in the name of Jesus, and it, it, can, get, it can get rough sometimes because you have an enemy, you have an adversary. And I'm going to tell you 99.9% .9 of the time in life, you just stick with the Word and you'll, you'll overcome that attack, almost cut it off at the pass. But in those rare times when you don't, stay in there with it. Job said, all I know is if skin worms destroy my flesh, I'm going to see God. He said, I'm going to see God in this. And then he says in chapter 28, a beautiful verse. I mean, I love this verse. He says, for there is a path that the eye of the vulture has not seen. There is a way that the lion's whelp, the lion's cub, and the lion have not found it to walk on. And he's saying, God, in the midst of this thing, I'm looking for that place where, where the enemy yeah. does not know. He doesn't see yeah. it. Where I get my breakthrough in this thing. Where the lion's... Uh, he said, I know it's there. I know it's there. Yeah, I know it's there because he knew the character of God. He didn't have the Bible. But he had a relationship. And he's seeking God like that. Jesus had not come to earth yet uh, as the Son of God. But he did have a relationship. He said, I know that when God tries me, I'm going to come forth like gold. I'm going to come forth. Silver in the Bible is redemption. Gold is royalty and deliverance. There's beautiful types in the temple, in the tabernacle that we see in the Old Testament. And God said, and Job said, I know there's a delivering path. I know there, there's a redemption that belongs to me in this. 
I know there's a way that the lions uh, uh, have not walked in. I know there's a, a path that the vulture's eye has not seen. And he's like, I'm in the darkness of this situation I'm going through, but I know it's there. And he begins to seek God in it. And he begins to tell his friends, why don't you shut up? Just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. And in chapter 42, God says, Kairos moment, the season changed. And he was in the right place during that time. And God said, you're going to get it all back twice as much and 140 more years. I need the body of Christ to know one day that there is victory even in the worst situation. Come on, give God the praise tonight. Let's stand up on our feet this evening. Hallelujah. God is good. You say, preacher, sometimes I feel that Job thing on me. Well, I'm not sure which version of Job you're talking about. But if you'll stay faithful to God, stay in there in prayer. Stay faithful. Even when you feel like you're weak, stay connected to that, to that place of intercession. Because there's a path that the vulture's eye has not seen and the lion and the whelp have not trod. That's where God wants you to walk in. Job's like, I don't know where it is exactly. But I know it's there. Just like, like silver is deep in the earth and you have to mine it out and, and gold has to be found. You seek God. The Bible says that in your darkness, He will give you light. It's called the wisdom of God. God will give you a knowing that you didn't know before and it will break you through to victory. Wisdom is not to make you smart. It is to break you through to things that you can't necessarily understand naturally, but you know God has a good plan. And His wisdom takes you there. His wisdom will take you there. Can you receive that tonight? All right, my 30 minutes are up. Would you lift your hands to God? Father, in Jesus' name, baptize this church in wisdom. You said Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands upon him. Lord, there are men and women in here tonight. I ask you to lay your hand upon them. By faith, I lay my hand upon them tonight. Baptize us in wisdom. Baptize us in wisdom. Show us that path that the vulture eye doesn't see. Show us that, that path that the lion, the devourer, cannot walk on. You said we have authority on this side of the cross. In this covenant, we have authority. We have victory. I thank you that the atonement is not just on one day. Oh, but Jesus is our everlasting atonement. His blood is forever on the mercy seat of God. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, 
it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.